0: Um, just to clarify I didn't uh, I had um, when I had my wreck about a year and a half ago they they put some stuff in my leg like a rod and some screws and stuff like that and then last week or a week and a half ago they went in and took all that out and it was fun I mean it was a lot of fun if you haven't been to Carowinds in a while and had your leg ripped off and put back on you should do that Um, and that's about what it may feel like so uh, but again thanks for all the calls and texts and food and all that kind of stuff that you guys did we we really really appreciate it so um, yeah Man, I'm excited to be here today. Like, I know that goes without saying. Like, I, maybe it does for you. I don't know. But I, I enjoy being here, and I miss it when I'm away. Um, and just, just to sit amongst family and sing, especially like on a day like this. Like, you got to understand. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Either way, you got to. History was forever changed because of what we celebrate today. History before, history after, which no event has ever done. There's no event that could change, that could happen and change everything that came before, everything in that moment, and everything that came after. But the resurrection of Jesus did. It did. And it cannot be undone, which is mind-boggling. Because pretty much everything that I've done in life can be, in some way or another, undone. Every good thing that I've done can be undone. And even if I did the best thing that I could possibly do now, it wouldn't change yesterday. And it wouldn't change last week. But in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, he, wrote, he rewrote all history, what had happened before, what was happening in the moment, and what would happen thereafter. No one else, no other thing could ever do that, uh, but Jesus did. Today, I want us to do two things. Number one, I want us to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, and hopefully we've already begun, like great man, because he lives perfect, perfect song. Could have sung that 12 times. Um, great. And then to see people declare their belief uh, in Jesus and declaring him as Lord. It doesn't get any better than that. We could stop there. But what I do want us to do is, I, I, and I, I talk about this frequently as a pastor, I feel like Christmas and Easter are probably the two easiest days for me because I don't have to think about what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to read about the resurrection of Jesus. And I want us to read it. I want us to soak it in. I want us to hear it and understand that he conquered death on on behalf of me, on behalf of you, so that we too could walk out of our grave, the grave that we were in because of sin, even one. Jesus conquered that. And we get to follow him in that life. And so I want us to read that. I want us to soak it in. But I do want to confess this too. Like this story that we're going to read, it happened, but at the same time, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and my mom, a word that she uses over and over and over, maybe overused to the point that it loses some effect, is unbelievable. She uses it in a, in a declaration when something's really, really good. And we can say that about the resurrection of Christ, but at the same time, it can take on two meanings. Like, in human terms, uh, in, in, in our power, in the ability of the way that we have to do things, what Christ did was completely unbelievable in the way in which it's amazing and just life-changing, eternity-altering, but also in human terms, it should not have happened. Yet it did. So if you have your Bibles with me, we, uh, we want to open to Luke chapter 24. And I know that if you've been with us for a little while last month, we did. We went through the resurrection because we wrapped up our our short series in Mark. Um, Sarcasm is a a good thing to have hold of. It was about a year and a half. If you weren't with us, we we spent a year and a half in Mark, so we set a precedent. But don't worry, there probably will be a longer series at some point. Um, But today we're going to look at Luke's account in chapter 24, verse 1. And we're going to read through the first 12 verses. We're going to kind of summarize what happens in between, and then we're going to talk about a few more. And then we're going to look at John and a few other things. But I want to pray. And, um, and this is what I want you to do. Before I pray, just a couple moments without me saying a word. Just do this, if you, if you would. If you already know Jesus, that's great. If you don't know Jesus, I would even ask you, if you're here and you're a skeptic, that's great. I'm glad you're here. I would ask you to say the same thing. God, show me the truth of who you are today. Believer or non-believer, that's it. Just God. And, and you can even say this, if you're a non-believer and you're a skeptic, that's okay, we're going to talk about that today. If you can say, God, if you're real... Show me the truth of you today. I'm okay with you saying that. You can say that. So I'm going to bow my head. You bow your heads. You can close your eyes. Pray if you are willing, and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you for the truth of your existence. Thank you for the truth of your creation. Thank you for the truth of Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection. God, today I pray that we look at it well. I pray that you do show us uh, the reality of who you are. Uh, for those of us who already know you and those of us who do not, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself. Uh, thank you for your word that we can trust. Thank you for your word that we, can, uh, that we can know and hide in our hearts so that we might not sin against you, but also so that we can live for you and know you better. God, I pray that we look at it well today. Thank you for loving us enough uh, to send your son to die on our behalf and rise victoriously so that we can live with you. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 24, verse 1. And so if you didn't know, right before this, uh, Jesus died. I watched a funny video, and I sent it to a couple people this week, and it was kind of a, you know, a funny clip. It was some people sitting around a room doing a Bible study, and apparently there was a new guy that had never been there before, and, and he was recapping the resurrection. He said, and just so you know, um, last week we were looking at this passage, and Jesus died. And the guy was like, wait, what? Jesus, what? The guy that I've been reading about for the past six months, he was like, I missed last week, but what did I miss? He was like, Jesus died? And he opened up a little bitty Bible with good pictures in it, but there's, anyway, it was just it was hilarious. But, so if you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. Uh, last week, what we celebrated, what we talked about was Jesus going into Jerusalem, marching towards the cross, and just a few days ago, in reference to this passage, Jesus died. And believe it or not, if you haven't heard it, he died for you so that you could know what hope looks like, what it tastes like, what it smells like, what it feels like, what it feels like to live in. So he died for you. Today, we're going to read about what happened on the third day. Chapter 24, verse 1, it said, But on the first day of the week, that would have been Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. We'll talk about who they are in just a minute. Taking the spices they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. I do love that word, dazzling. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them that told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stopping, stooping, and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So these women one more chance to serve this Jesus who they've been following. And again, this gives great validity to the gospel story. We talked about this a few months ago, like there's no way in the world like if someone wanted to prove the validity of Jesus, they would have they would have used women as firsthand witnesses. They wouldn't have done that. And you're like, "Why not?" Well, women's words did not mean very much back then. And that's just the fact. In that culture, women's words were not testimony. They were just words. But in this case, it was the women that went to see because they wanted to serve Jesus one more time. They had been following him. They had been taking care of his needs. They had been feeding him. They had been contributing from the overflow of their pockets and even the depths of their pockets to make sure that he had all the things that they had need. They were disciples in the general sense, just like the rest. They weren't the 12, but they were still disciples, followers, learners of Jesus. They just wanted to take care of him one more time. Because everything that had transpired was just crazy. And they couldn't have done it the day before because it was the Sabbath. They had to rest on the Sabbath. So as soon as it was possible for them, amongst their law, they wanted to go and take care of Jesus one more time. The way they were going to do that was to prepare his body, to anoint it with spices. They didn't embalm back then, but what they did do is they would smear it, basically, with ointments and smelly things to keep the smell of death from being overwhelming. So they went to do that. And we talked about in the book of Mark, it said that on their way, they were like, oh, what about the rock? What about that big stone? How are we going to move that? Much to their surprise, they get there, and it's already rolled away. It's already gone. And then they go in, and they're just shocked. The word here in English is perplexed, but it literally means, like, what just happened? Where is he? And then there were these two angels, dazzling angels. It's a word we don't use nearly enough, and I like to bring it up every time I read it. Like, they were dazzling Shiny, brilliant, sparkly, overwhelming. And then they say that favorite line of mine in the resurrection story, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He's risen. Wasn't there anymore. And so then, after that, they, they go, they run. They're scared to death, number one. They're also in awe, filled with wonder because something crazy had just happened. And they go to tell the disciples the capital D disciples, the remaining 11, because Judas had hung himself already and he was dead because he betrayed Jesus. So they go to tell them. And this is what they think. I want to reread it. It says, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. The story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus makes no sense. And don't hear that as a negative, like I want you to hear it as a positive, but it makes no sense. It should not have happened. Again, if I was engineering salvation for all people, there would have been a long checklist of things that people would need to do. A lot of things. Do all these things, don't do these things, and that's the only way you're going to be saved if you're incredibly, incredibly religious. That, That would be my way. Jesus, on the other hand, he engineered things in a completely different way. God created a way to save people that looked nothing like the way that I would save people. And one of those ways meant that Jesus was going to do the unthinkable. Not only was he going to die for sins that weren't his, but he was going to walk right out of the grave because he could. And he was going to lead the way into victory for those who believe. Not the way we would have written the story. Not the way we would have engineered it. Pluses and minuses, they they don't even appear here. He walked out of the grave. And the disciples, when they heard it, we can't fault them for this, they were like, you just made that up. (laughs) That didn't just happen. That's not real. Even though Jesus had told them over and over and over, metaphorically, but then even literal. He began to speak pretty literal, like, hey, on the third day, I'm coming back. You need to know. I'm going to be handed over to the hands of sinners, angry men who want to kill me. They're going to kill me. But hold on, boys. On the third day, I'll be back. I don't know what they thought he was saying, but they didn't think that he was saying this. Because why? Because it's so unbelievable. It doesn't happen. Even though they had seen him talk to Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And he did. They had seen him raise someone else from the dead, but they didn't necessarily believe that he could do it for himself. Why? Because his death was so tragic, unthinkable, and unbelievable. Even then, a few days before, the unbelievable happened. This perfect Jesus who never did anything wrong, who had words of life, who had the power of God, the authority of God. He was killed. Completely unbelievable. Should not have happened. And now it gets even crazier. His body's not in the grave. It's not there. And there's some women saying, he's risen. He's alive. We're like, no, he's not. He's dead. We saw it or we heard about it because we scattered like sheep just like he said we would. We can believe that. We can't believe this. But Peter, Peter, he took off. I love that Peter runs. He just, he just goes. He probably didn't even explain himself. I don't know if he was eating a chicken leg at the time and just dropped it on his plate. That's what I imagine he did. And he just, he's gone. He runs. He stoops in to look and he sees. It's exactly what the women said. His body wasn't there. It says he went home and he marveled. He went home and he marveled. Imagine the journey home for Peter. I don't know how far it was, but I guarantee it wasn't 30 seconds. I guarantee it was, uh, you know, a bit of a haul, a bit of a hike. And imagine just all the way home what he thought about. Imagine the lights that were going off. Oh, he he said he was going to do this. He oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Third day, third day. Third day, it's the third day he's not in the grave anymore. He's he's alive. And then he probably started singing a song. He's alive. No, he didn't. But anyway, that's Peter. But at first they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And in between there and the, the passage that we're going to read in just a second, apparently there were two other kind of general disciples and they were walking on the way to Emmaus and, and they were talking about the events that had just happened. You can read through this in verses 13 through uh, t- 34. And, and they were walking and talking and just kind of discussing what had happened. And, and Jesus, being Jesus, because I, I feel like he had a sense of humor or maybe, I don't know, I don't know why he did it, but he appears to them, but he kept them from knowing who he was. He just kind of wanted to listen. And he was listening as they were retelling all of the things that they had happened. And he asked them, he was like, hey, what what are you guys talking about? And they were like, are you the only person in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened, this Jesus of Nazareth who just died? Are you the only one that hasn't heard? And we had hoped, these are their words, we had hoped that he was going to be our deliverer. But it's the third day now, and he's not here. And then it said, even in his hidden state or his veiled state, it says that he kind of got on to a little bit. And he's like, don't you remember everything the prophet said? Everything. And it says from there on, he just kind of laid it out. I don't know how long their road was, but apparently it was pretty long. And he just began to unfold it all the way from the very beginning, all the way through Scripture, all of the places that pointed to the fact that on the third day, Jesus would rise and no grave could hold him. Just there. And then... Uh, they were like, hey, why don't you stay with us for a little while? They still didn't know who he was. And then they sat down to eat, and it says that Jesus opened their eyes and let them see who it was. And they were like, oh, man, it's you! And then poof, Jesus was gone again, just like the way he came. Crazy. Messing with them. I love it. And then they said, why is it that our hearts didn't burn when we saw him? Well, he he kept it from happening because he wanted to explain it to you. But either way, they... Didn't believe what was happening either. Third day, we had hoped that he was our deliverer, but apparently he's not. And then in verse 36, and it says, As they were talking about these things, these guys went and were telling the capital D disciples, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Another time in which Jesus appears, and they're like, That's not Jesus. I don't know who it is. I think it's a ghost. They're freaking out unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, the scars that were there. And while they still disbelieved for joy, because it was amazing and unbelievable in the words of my mother, they were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. I think that last part, he may have been hungry, but I think it was just one more proof that he was real. A ghost couldn't eat. It would just kind of fall right out. You know what I mean? But either way, he had to show them. But in the midst of an amazing, transpiring story, those who should have believed did not. Because it was so otherworldly, so other than, so not normal so not humanly possible when we read the story of the resurrection and we can just kind of read through it and be like yeah that just happened i think we're reading it wrong yeah that happened but it should not have but it did because god declared that it would it's not normal it's not every day it's not mundane it's not typical it's not man-made it's it's not even something to be honest that we can explain. If I can explain the power of God, then it's really not that big of a deal. I can't explain it. I can't explain how God can take a dead body, completely dead, for days on end and bring it back to life. You know, we hear about near-death experiences where someone was dead for three minutes, you know, their heart wasn't beating for a few minutes. Like, yeah, you know, maybe in me, I can see an electrical impulse, can, can restart that heart. Even though that's Hollywood, the heart that's actually stopped, you know, it's not really going to restart. It's going to be fluttering a little bit. You medical people can tell me that I'm right or wrong later, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I've watched enough ER to know that. And by the way, these past two weeks, I've, shared, I've spent a lot of time on the couch, and I've been rewatching ER because there's a station on Hulu Live that shows it. That was one of the greatest shows of all time. But anyway, we can imagine that. We can even imagine the Hollywood version, like someone's down for 10 minutes, then they cover them in ice and then they bring them back 12 minutes later. That's right. But Jesus was in the grave for days, like days. And he didn't die a peaceful death. No, he was emptied of himself, like emptied of himself. So in order for God to bring him back to life, he didn't just have to shock his heart and bring him back to life. He had to put things back in him that were not there, like physical things. His blood was gone. He had spilled out. His lungs were probably still full of blood. There was no way that he could breathe. So if we want to get down to the cellular level, God completely made something new in the life of Jesus in this moment. The only thing he left were the scars. And by the way, they were scars. They weren't scabs either, which is pretty interesting. And he didn't even have to leave those, but he did so that people would believe. If you flip over to John, chapter 20, we see that at that point when Jesus appeared, there was probably one missing, and his name was Thomas. You know, doubting Thomas where we get that. Verse 24, chapter 20, verse 24, it says, now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, that's what his name literally meant, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands or the mark of the nails and place my finger in the middle of the nails, place my hand in the side, I will never believe. Even at the testimony of 10 men who he had lived life with for one to two years, who had seen Jesus do some miraculous things, he said, I don't believe you couldn't happen unless I touch the scars not going to believe eight days later verse 26 his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them although the door was locked Jesus came and stood among them and said man he just poofs in again but anyway he came in among them and said peace be with you shalom actually then he said to them Thomas put your finger here see my hands Put, your, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Remember what Thomas said when Jesus wasn't even there? He said, unless I touch the scars in his hands and in his side, I will not believe. Never. No, not ever. And Jesus walks in. He says, hey, Thomas, touch out here. Let me hold your hand. Put it here. And he said, don't disbelieve. Just believe just believe believe the unbelievable because you said you couldn't unless you did this and i just let you do that so hold up to your word believe and thomas has answered him and he says my lord and my god jesus said to him have you believed because you've seen me blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed the story of the resurrection is unreal it's unreal it's unreal, and yet my eternity hinges on it. So does yours. My eternity completely hinges on this. Because there, there is a version of the gospel that says, you just need to believe in God. You just need to believe in God, and you'll be okay. Well, we read the book of Acts, and we see that that's not the case. We actually need to believe in God and his son, whom he sent, in word and in deed, in life and death and in resurrection. And like we talked about this morning in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 10, it just says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So my eternity, my salvation hinges on the fact that Jesus came, put skin on, lived a perfect life, died in my place, and then kicked de- death in the teeth and walked out of that grave. My eternity depends on that. Your eternity depends on that. My eternity does not depend on me knowing a fairy tale. My eternity does not depend on me being good enough. My eternity does not depend on me checking some boxes and Xing some others. No, my eternity depends on me confessing Jesus as Lord, which means I say, Jesus, you have control over my entire life. From the bottom of my foot to the top of my head and everything in between. My yesterday, my today, my tomorrow. It is yours. I will screw up. I will repent. I will confess. You will bring me back. But my life is yours. You are my Lord. Capital L-O-R-D. You have control. You have my life. The reason you are capable of being my Lord is because you are God himself. You came, you lived, you died in my place, and then you were raised to new life and walked out of that grave. In you I believe. In you I trust. In your life I place mine. Therefore I am saved. And by choosing Jesus as Lord, we renounce our former Lord, which was sin because it's going to be one or the other. We either choose to serve sin and disobedience, running away from God, or we choose Jesus, running towards God only through him and the power of the Spirit that he places in us. Jesus as Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. It's not enough just to know a story. It's not enough just to do good. We must know Jesus himself and what he did and believe it wholeheartedly. My eternity hinges on this. My eternity hinges on something that's completely and utterly unbelievable. So unbelievable, and in fact, the men that lived life with him, when they heard it, they said, we do not believe. That did not just happen. And not 7th grade middle school girl exclaiming, that didn't just happen. Different, different, completely different. Like, totally unbelievable, can't happen. I don't know if 7th grade middle school girls say that or not. I don't know, but if somebody does, that did not. Anyway, sorry, we're going to move on. Either way, they didn't believe it. Why? Because it is. It's unbelievable. But the beauty of all of these stories, like from from Peter, from Thomas, from the other guys that were in the room, and even when the women told the disciples this, when Jesus saw them, he didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, how dare you not believe me after all you've seen me do. He didn't say a word like that. As a matter of fact, he he wasn't even physically there when Thomas made his exclamation of, unless I touch his hand, unless I touch his side, I won't believe. When he walked in, what did Jesus do? He said, hey, Thomas, give me your hands. Now believe. He didn't say, how dare you? None of that. Like, uh, again, completely other than, not not our normal way, not the way that I would have done it. Imagine you, like, in, in a work scenario. Imagine you have people working under you, and you've been an exemplary manager an amazing manager. You've done things so good. You're the best. You've had employee of the month for the past 17 months and you've only worked there for 14. That good, right? Do the math. You're amazing. You've done things better than anybody before you've ever done. And then one month you do something that's still in line with your character, but it's just a bit more amazing. You know, like Jesus raised Lazarus, now he raised himself. You know, maybe for, you know, you made 110% of the whole team sales goals. This month you did 175. And everyone on your team says, I don't believe it. What would you do? You'd be like, look at the wall, dude. 17 months. I've only been here 14. I've carried the whole team. All the sales last month, they were mine, plus some that didn't even happen. I'm amazing. I'm the best. How dare you say I couldn't do that? Jesus walks into a room completely different. He says, Thomas, let me see your hands so I can show you mine. So different because he is completely different. Here's what Jesus knows that we forget. The things he did were so amazing and unbelievable, we will doubt them. He was completely aware. He totally knew it. Now, as Christians, as churchgoers, we'll never say that. You know, we're never going to say that out loud. Because if we say that out loud, then we're not a very good Christian boy or girl. We're not a very good church kid. That I have doubts. Let me go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. And I don't even really like cats that much, so I'll be glad to let it out of the bag so it can run away. If you have cats, that's fine. Just not my deal. If you're a follower of Christ, you will have doubts. You will have doubts. Because what Jesus does is not normal. Therefore, we will doubt. The disciples, they had a front row seat. And when they heard that he rose from the grave, they're like, I don't believe it. Not in my mom's exclamation. If it's unbelievable, no, more like it's, it's not believable. Couldn't happen. People don't get up and walk out of the grave, even though they had already seen it. Thomas, I don't think he was called the doubter before this, and I think it's a little unfair that he was called the doubter after this, because I would have probably been the same way. But Jesus didn't rebuke him, because he knew what he did was crazy but still true I think when we become comfortable in the skin that God's going to give us but the spirit that he's already gave us we have to understand that there will be days in which I doubt and while it's not okay to live in those days and stay in that doubt it's okay to confess them it's okay to confess them And I think here's the things that we need to hear from this today. Number one, we celebrate the fact that Jesus did the unthinkable. Jesus did the unimaginable. Jesus did the impossible. And it was completely unbelievable, but it's no less true. It's completely true. And my eternity and yours hinges on it. But what we do need to do when we confess and we admit that we are normal human beings and the story of Christ is crazy and there some days will be doubts... The first thing we do is we go to Jesus with our doubts. We go to him. We don't bury them down deep, put them in a nice neat little box and never talk about them. That's, that's not good. And I'm not talking about from a therapy standpoint. I'm talking about from a spiritual standpoint. We'll never be able to deal with doubts unless we actually bring them up and speak of these doubts. And the best place that we go first is to Jesus. And it's not disrespectful It's not rude. He wants us to speak of our need and speak of the depths of our soul to him. And if in the depths of your soul you are struggling to believe that he is real, you are struggling to believe that he loves you, you are struggling to believe that he finds great value in you, you are struggling to believe that he lived a perfect life and died for you, the first person you go to is not Facebook, is not Instagram, if you like to use words with pictures, but you go to Jesus. You go to him. And it's as simple as Jesus, I'm struggling today. I'm struggling today. Like in one place, I believe. But in another place, I'm troubled. In one place, I believe. In another place, I'm troubled. In Mark 9, we see this amazing story in which Jesus was doing his restoration thing because that's the reason that he came. And there was a man with a son who had a spirit, an evil spirit that lived in him. And it made him mute, but it also threw him down and made him convulse. It tried to throw him in water to drown him. It tried to throw him in fire to burn him. And the man comes to Jesus, and he's like, I I need you to heal my son. And he's like, I will if you believe that I can. He's like, "Uh, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. Now, in that moment, Jesus could have gone one of two ways. He could have been like, unbelief? Have you heard about me? Have you looked at the wall? He didn't. What he did is he helped the man with his unbelief by healing his son. When we have unbelief, when we have doubt, why would we take it anywhere else than just Jesus? We take it to him and say, Jesus, I'm struggling today. I'm struggling today. And and we can be embarrassed and we can hide it, but why? Why? I mean, look, I mean, Thomas, in the midst of all of this, Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe unless I touch the stars. And Jesus just walks in and graciously says, Thomas, let me see your hands. Jesus wants to confront your doubts. Jesus wants to address your doubts. Jesus wants to hear your doubts so that he can assure you that they're not real, that there is no monster under your bed or in your closet. (laughs) That there hasn't been a conspiracy to create a savior that didn't exist. That this isn't a big joke or a cosmic prank. That he's real. Go to Jesus. Don't be embarrassed. We see examples of Peter. We see examples of this man that we don't know. We see the examples of Thomas. And we also see the way Jesus responded. He walked in with love, he didn't walk in with rebuke. He just said, Let me put your minds at ease. Watch me eat go to Jesus. We go to him through prayer. It may just be as simple as, God, today I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I, I know that you're real, but I struggle, I struggle to really believe it. This week, to be honest, I had to pray to God and not say that I don't believe that you're real, but I just, I just kind of had to pray and say, God, this week I just feel, I just feel quiet. I just feel quiet. And I just, I just need to hear you. I've heard God today. I've seen His presence. I've felt it. It's okay. He didn't say, how dare you? He didn't say, what are you thinking? Who are you? He just responds. Go to Jesus. Jesus, I'm struggling. Help my unbelief. Help my doubt. Fix in me what needs to be fixed that I can't fix by studying Everything. I just need you. Go to Jesus in prayer. Go to Jesus in Scripture. On the days in which you're struggling, just spend a little extra time. 12.75 more minutes maybe. That's, that's exact. I'm kidding. Don't, don't listen to anything I say in the past 30 seconds. Listen to what I say now. Just, just maybe spend a little more time. Say, God, I'm not going to treat you like a genie in a bottle and do the show me the right page that you need me to turn to, but just sit and read for a minute. And just before you read, say, God, speak to me about the truth of who you are. And I'll be honest, some days he will, some days he won't. Some days he will, some days he won't. Some days he'll say a lot, some days he'll say very little. Some days he'll repeat something to you that he told you two months ago, six months ago, six years ago. But God, help me with my doubt. In prayer and in Scripture. And then, just understand. Like this God is not... Some God that just cares about the big picture, He cares about the little picture too. You, me, us as individuals. Even though He's growing a kingdom, He cares about every single one in that kingdom. He cares about your doubt. He wants to hear it. He wants to put it to rest. And even if it comes back up six months from now, He's not going to be mad. Just bring it to Him. The other thing that we see, and I love this, like, Thomas says that he got together with the the disciples and they said, Jesus is back. We saw him and he's like, I'm not going to believe it. Not going to believe it unless I touch his hands, touch his side. Eight days later, he was still with them. They didn't tell him to go away. Jesus cares about us. He cares about your doubts and so does your family. So do the we. We care about your doubts. I care about your doubts. If you have doubts, don't be embarrassed to take them to Jesus. Don't be embarrassed to take them to your faith family, to your grace family, to those who are bound to you by the blood of Christ. We're bound to Him horizontally, but we're bound, I mean vertically, we're bound to each other horizontally. Take them to Him, take them to us. That's why community is so important. Like community groups are not the all, end all, be all. That's not the only way that you can do community. You can do it with other ways, but, it, but it's a great entryway into there. When it comes time at the end of those community groups to say, hey, uh, does anybody have anything we need to pray about? Maybe that's when you raise your hand and say, hey, I'm struggling this week to believe the truth of Jesus. It's okay. You know what they're going to say? Okay, let's pray about that, and we'll see you next week. Eight days later, or 7 you they're still going to be there, and so are you if you choose to come back. Jesus cares about your doubts, and so do we. Don't be embarrassed. Our humanity is marred by sin, and this imago day or the image of God that we were created in, as a result of sin, it's going to be battling all the time. Paul even talks about He's like, why do I not do the things I want to do? And why do I do the things that I don't want to do? This tug of war, this spiritual between the flesh and the spirit. One result of that is there are going to be days in which this unbelievable, amazing, life-altering, eternity-shaking story of Jesus is just not going to feel real. You say, how dare you say that? No, I, I say that because it's the truth. Some days it's just going to feel beyond our grasp. And on those days, we go to the one who wrote it. Like literally, the one who lived it. We just say, I need help. And then we go to other people who are following Jesus and we say, hey, I need help. Confess your doubts one to another so that we may, A, pray for one another, and B, speak into your life. Maybe after community group, somebody's going to say, hey, would you like to, to meet me for a steak or meet me for coffee or meet me for a walk in the woods? I don't know. Either way, that's not as creepy as it sounds. And just say, I've been where you are. I've been where you are. I've had those same doubts, and I can't say that they're gone, but this is what God has spoken to me, shown me, taught me in the midst of those. Maybe that. Maybe you're on the other end of it. Maybe someone's confessing their doubt to you, and what do you do? Well, number one, you, you pray for them because you, you need to. God, I pray that you would help X, Y, or Z, whoever their name is. I usually say Jim Bob, but I'm not going to today. Help this person with their doubt. And then you ask God, God, give me wisdom so that I may speak into their situation when they ask. And then you share with them. God cares about your doubt. We care about your doubt. Doubt is real. It will happen. We need to confess it. We need to deal with it. And we need to move on. The story of Christ is unreal, but completely real. It's unbelievable, but... Completely believable. To the disciples, it seemed like a fairy tale in the moment. But it was totally true. And we have to believe it. We have to believe it. And the reason I say that we have to believe it, if we want to be united with God, and I'm not talking about a a change of location. I'm talking about a change of life. We must believe it. And there will be days when it's hard. There will be days when it's hard. But Jesus left us here for a reason. He left us here because it's going to be hard for someone else as well, and they need to believe, and we need to tell them. So we get to. It'd be fun to do this, and I won't do it. I won't. But if I said, Have you ever doubted the truth about Jesus today? Raise your hand. And you could be honest in that moment, there'd be a lot of hands. A lot of hands. real it happens if we don't confess it we don't admit it it will build it will grow and it could eat your lunch so instead Jesus cares about it take it to him we care about it take it to each other because there's no way for us to believe the unbelievable unless Jesus is in it unless he is radically transforming us We'll, we'll never believe this but we get to trust that he will change us and make us into people that can understand the truth of what he did when he did the impossible. Christ has risen. He's risen indeed. And as a result, we get to as well. And that's, man, that's everything. It's everything. God, we love you. Thank you for your unbelievable story. That's not just words on a page, but it's the very source of what we can have in life if we just believe. Thank you for being a God who understands that there will be days when it's just hard to believe. It's hard to confess, but you're still there. Not waiting to rebuke, not waiting to condemn, but just waiting to hear and assure us. Thank you that we can see our God the Father in Jesus our Savior the way that he deals with doubt the way that he assures Thomas and the way that he needed to be assured, but also in the way that he said, it's great that you believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who believe when they don't see me. God, thank you for gifting us with salvation. Because for us, God, we we have not seen Christ face to face. We have not touched the scars. Uh, We have not watched him eat in front of us. But God, he's just as real to us as he was to them. Thank you for assuring us of that. Thank you for salvation that comes as a result. God, is a people that have been redeemed by the blood that Jesus spilled, and we get to live in victory by the way in which he beat death, God, I pray that we'd be people of this city who are proud to tell the story of our Savior, who share it as often as you lead us to, who are awaiting your desire to tell us to speak, who share it with our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, and God, we watch you do with it what you will. Thank you for calling us to be missionaries and ministers to this city, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our homes. I pray that we would see the beauty of this story and repeat it often. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for rising from the grave. And thank you for allowing us to believe in you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 11, 1052. That's not bad with everything we did. We, we want to say thank you guys for coming and worshiping with us today. Um, if you're visiting just because it's Easter, or if you're our guest just because it's Easter, we'd ask that you come back next week. We would love to see you. Um, and I know that you might live two, three hours away. That's okay. We don't mind if you drive. Um, we'll be glad to, to wait for you. Um, but in all honesty, if you're looking for a family um, to help you grow in your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, we would, we would ask that you take part in this one. You may not understand everything. You may have doubts. But as you've heard today, that's okay. Uh, We would love to walk with you in those. Um, Be sure to talk to uh, Nolan and Ava June. Give them a hug if you're comfortable doing that and tell them that you're proud of them making that declaration. And again, the water's still out there. It's probably about the same temperature, and I mean this. I will get wet all over again. If you would like to be baptized, I'm sure that people will stick around and watch, but if you want to talk through that at any point between now and our next baptism and ask what that's about, um, we'd love to have that conversation too. Um, And otherwise... Uh, We hope you have a great Easter Sunday, a day in which we get to celebrate the resurrection, uh, enjoy time with your family and your friends, and maybe um, a holy nap a little bit later. Um, I don't know that we have any huge pressing announcements. I'm looking for Zach, nothing huge and pressing. Um, So I'm just going to pray, and we're going to be done. If you do have a few minutes and would like to help us tear down, we'd we'd gladly accept that um, before you go eat ham and green stuff and whatever else you may have awaiting you. Let's pray together. Tell you what, let's stand up. Let's do that. And man, I think we're in COVID-safe protocol. Um, I think we're okay. It's been a long time. We are. Man, uh, we're going to ask, hold the hand of the person next to you. If you're not super comfortable doing that, that's okay. Nobody's going to judge you. But if you are, just step across, grab the person's hand next to you. Um, If you would rather link arms, we get it. Uh, We we know what that looks like, but we're not going to make it any more awkward than it needs to be. I love that picture up there. That's great. Um, Let's pray together. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, that. Uh, the grave could not hold him. Death could not beat him. Thank you, God, that through him you made a way for us, a way that we couldn't create, a way that we couldn't go unless he went first. Uh Thank you for Jesus. God, today as a family that have been redeemed by you and those who are here as guests, God, I pray that you speak the truth of who you are to us. Remind us daily of what you've done and what you desire of us that it's not about a bunch of boxes to check, but it's a life that we are graced to live. God, I pray for confession of doubt. I pray for uh, assurances of who you are. And God, I pray for your kingdom to be stronger, to grow. Um, And Father, I pray for your name to be great in this city. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using us. And God, thank you for sending us. Today, we want to worship and celebrate you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great day.